This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. It's Friday, October 13th, 2023. Joining me by phone today is Steve Collins, a reporter with the Sun Journal. We're going to talk about politics, purple politics of the 2nd Congressional District. The 2nd Congressional District of Maine is the biggest east of the Mississippi and has voted for Donald Trump in the past two presidential elections, but nevertheless sends a moderate Democrat, Jared Golden, to Congress. Jared Golden is a 41-year-old former Marine, is in his third term, and he's going to face a Republican who has to win a primary in June, but the insiders in Washington, the bigwigs, have all their money on a new fresh face in the Republican Party, dashing Austin Terrio, former race car driver. He's from Fort Kent. He's got the looks. He's now got the financial backing. But does he have the other magic, what it takes to be a third-term incumbent? Welcome to the show, Steve Collins. Thanks, Cynthia. Glad to be here. Well, are you, where are you coming from this afternoon? Where are you sitting right now? <laughs> I'm in the attic of my house in Auburn. Auburn, Maine. So you are, like me, thousands of miles from the war that is raging in Israel, as I think all of us are, are, are focused in on that. Is, are people up in the second district uh, focused in on what's happening over in Israel, as far as you can tell? Well, I've heard quite a bit of people talking about it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of sadness and, and concern. And the races that you're following, you've been a political reporter now in Maine for a while, and uh, a focus has been, I think, um, you know, on the second congressional district, which is sort of where you're stationed and where your Sun Journal is is based out of. Um, Do you think that that the events happening in the world, the the war in Ukraine, the now um, horrific war that's taking place in Israel and Gaza, do you think that as far away as, as the second congressional district is from these wars, that that they'll have an impact on the 2024 election? Well, they're certainly having some impact now, in part because the candidates don't agree with each other so much. But the, um, it's hard to know, you know, in the long run. I mean, people are very loath to look beyond the borders of the United States and then even look beyond the borders of Maine many times. So I don't know. Now, the 2nd Congressional District is is odd in the sense that it voted for Donald Trump in the previous two elections. The first time, I might add, for listeners who might not be aware, that the you know one of the um, electoral votes was awarded uh, on a split basis to, to Donald Trump in two presidential elections. But as I mentioned in the intro, Jared Golden is a Democrat and has also prevailed. So uh, is, it, is, it a, is that a reflection of, of a moderate electorate, or is it just um, sort of an unusual shade of purple? <laughs> well, I do think it's a little bit of an unusual shade of purple. I mean, it is a, because Maine is such a kind of a funny place where people are, are uh, they do care about each other. They do see a role for government. Um, but you know, they also want to, the government and everybody else to kind of leave them alone. And so it kind of, you know, it doesn't necessarily square with the national politics of either party. Is there grievance uh, on the part of the working class that, you know, that Donald Trump likes to exploit? It, it seems like Jared Golden has taken some positions. For instance, he came out quite strongly against Joe Biden's student debt relief efforts mm-hmm. and kind of castigated, yeah. you know, liberal elites for, <laughs> sure. and, and, and down here, it looked like maybe he was taking a little bit of a beating for that. But is that the kind of thing that 
folks in the 2nd Congressional District like to hear from him? Well, that's really hard to say. I mean, there were certainly a lot of Democrats who weren't very happy with his comments because they were they were pretty harsh. Um, but, but uh, you know, Jared has a pretty good feel for what people in the district want. I mean, he's proven that by winning. Um, so I, I think he probably knows what he's doing. Last time, in 2022, it was Jared Golden against Bruce Poliquin, who was sort of a retread. And after, after the ranked choice voting um, process, Golden won with about six, you know, six points, a pretty substantial win. Right. But, but yeah. the, first, the first race against Poliquin was, was quite close. In 2024, there's a fresh face, finally, really, from the Republican Party in Austin, Ontario. Yeah. And do you sense that there's a buzz around him? I mean, the, he's certainly been the media darling and has attracted the D.C., backing uh, of the national committee in the district do you do you get a sense that people know who he is and that they're behind him and that his campaign is gaining momen- momentum you know that's it's a really funny question because there are there is kind of this this uh you know the, on the big scale the national republican party is certainly hyped up for for theory but i i think if there's anybody around here who's getting some some momentum it's probably the other guy mike sobolewski who, who is a little closer to home and he seems to be doing okay too so i i don't know now what do you know you about know, what do you know about mike sobolewski i thought it was interesting and the only thing i know about him i'm catching up uh to this race is mm-hmm. that he was a like a hollywood stuntman or a, <laughs> he had a few cameo parts in some... <laughs> what else do we know about mike I don't know a lot. I haven't had a chance to sit down with him yet, but he's—he uh, certainly has an interesting background. He's uh, and and uh, the stuntman thing is is very unusual. Yeah, <laughs> it sort of counters being a race car driver. So you know, the two of those guys are are pretty interesting candidates. They sure are, and 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 Jared Golden himself is a pretty interesting candidate because you know, he's a yeah. ex marine, served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Has an adorable family, of course. Worked for Susan Collins, uh, but then also mm-hmm. was in leadership for the Democratic Party. I mean, it seems to me he is sort of everything that you would want in the second congressional district. <laughs> uh, but but is is he vulnerable? Do you do you think? Well, I mean, he's he's clearly is vulnerable because if the district is has been Republican in the presidential races the last couple of times, and and you know, it only takes one fluky election where. Where uh, you know, even if it doesn't have anything to do with with the candidates here, the, the national party taking it beating would really hurt. Would really hurt Jared's chances. Uh, it's really hard to say. I mean, I, I I think I think he's a he's he's a pretty strong candidate. He's proven that. I mean, he beat an incumbent, and then he beat the guy again by even more. So. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, and what about ranked choice voting? That was a big uh, to do in the first race that Jared Golden had, uh, because Tiffany Bond is essentially was kind of a spoiler. And then Bruce Poliquin, after ranked choice voting, just won by a sliver, by a hair. But l- last time, it, you know, ranked choice voting was not so much an issue. Do you think it's going to be an issue? Next Hard to time? know, because you don't know who's going to run it. It depends on the independents that get into it, if any. If any. And uh, Are there any... Are there any I've, strong? I've yeah, are there any strong independents up your way that are they're kicking the tires? Not that I know of, but I'm sure there's people thinking about it. 
I mean, we did briefly have an independent, who, and then he realized that he lived in the first district and switched. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny, actually. Um, now, what about um, the what's happening in Washington with Republicans? I mean, the, the Republicans in the House of, of Representatives, of course, everybody knows, have a very slim majority. And they are in, uh, you know, a internal battle to select the next speaker. Do you think whether it's, you know, I don't know, Jim Jordan, or there's a new guy who's who's been whose name has been um, thrown up on Twitter at least, and I I didn't even recognize him. Do you think that those leadership races are going to have an impact on on what national Republicans do in the race in the second congressional district? Well, they certainly could. I mean, one of the reasons that Kevin McCarthy was speaker is that he was a really good fundraiser, and the fundraising that that the speaker does filters down to races in places like Maine. And so if the Republicans are spending their time fighting with each other in Washington, they're probably not raising that much money. And so it, it could matter. Uh, it, it seems like the, the pizzazz around the Republican contenders, whether it's the uh, Hollywood stuntman or the you know NASCAR race, you know, race driver, uh, it seems, yeah. given what's happening in the world and, and the, the urgency with which the United States has to decide what it's going to do in Israel and make these big decisions about foreign policy. Do you think Jared Golden has an advantage when it comes to, to foreign policy and his, his credentials as a Marine and a, an experienced legislator? Well, I think people are, are you know, I mean, he's been there. He's been in combat. He's, he's uh, you know, he knows more than more than the rest of us about what any of that is actually like. And so when he's talking about Ukraine or talking about what's happening in Israel, it it, it means a little more. He knows what those guys who were who were uh, you know looking at urban fighting in in Gaza or something. You know that kind of stuff is it, it's kind of unimaginable to those of us who've never been anywhere near it. But but he has, and so it, it does it does help him a little bit. I'm sure. Are you? When I was um, up in the second congressional district, um, it was it was a couple of years ago when Trump uh, was running uh, for president. I mean, I've been there since, but I but I recall being there mm-hmm. when Trump flew into Bangor on his campaign, you know, on his presidential mm-hmm. campaign jet, and there was just a huge crowd there awaiting him, and and there was signs all over the district of support for Trump. It was real obvious mm-hmm. that that are you seeing that? Now up no, up there? No, no. I mean, I, I was actually struck by that. that I was driving around the world parts and and how many how many fewer Trump banners and flags and signs there are everywhere. And maybe that's just because they've worn out, blown away, and you know. So, it, but uh, but yeah, it's it's much less because it was really kind of astounding if you you know drove down in Anchorage. I have around. yeah. There were all kinds of people who were. Yeah, displaying displaying their their allegiance. Yeah. I, I mean, I, right. I often, often with very vulgar signs and, and you know weird things painted on their house, and it was kind of kind of strange. It, it, very aggressive. Like what I've noticed is that there's very um, there's fewer pickup trucks that have the two flags. You know, mm-hmm. a, a sort of like gr- aggressive patriotism is what I call it when they're like you know driving around with a like a Trump flag and the American flag and. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. True. It, I mean, I, I'm sure that people are just as patriotic as they were, but they might be a tad less attached to Trump. Well, I'm wondering. I, I've never really given no labels much credence. I, I 
I didn't think yeah. it really had a chance. But I was struck today by an op-ed that I read, um, and, and it talked about the polling and the numbers and how there really is a belief on the part of these people that if they, uh, if they could put a, a ticket that included a Republican on the top of the ticket and a Democrat as a vice presidential candidate, that that, that, that would draw like a substantial number of people and put them, you know, in, in, within reach of winning the presidency. And if I, it seems to me the second congressional district would be the Petri dish that the pollsters would be like, you know, de- ex- exploring. Has there been a lot of polling by these groups, uh, putting their toe in the water to see if, a, if a independent, like no labels party would win? Uh, if they are, I don't, I've heard nothing about it, but, but, but I wouldn't necessarily have heard anything about it. How is the, um, how is the new, you, you have been working for the Sun Journal for a long time, but now all, you know, main media is essentially a monopoly to, I'm using the term loosely, but you know what I mean? One company owns essentially. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah. And now, and just recently there was a transaction and the, and the whole operation was sold to this trust. How how is that? Could yes. you could you just explain briefly what it actually means um, for us so what, readers and yeah, what it so means what for you? <laughs> you know, we're still figuring that out. But but what happened essentially is that the the former owner Reed Brower decided he he didn't you know he was getting older he wanted to get out. And so usually what happens in that scenario is that the owner of the paper or papers sells to some creepy Wall Street firm that comes in and fires half the people and. You know, just gets the whole news operation. So that's what we didn't want to see happen. And then we were kind of shocked that in the end, a you know, a nonprofit organization raised the money and, and bought it instead. And um, I can't say that it's had a big difference on what we do yet because it, nothing's really changed. Um, will there still be? We have a sense. Oh, sorry. Will oh, there still ahead. be? Will there still be a? Um, are you part of a union? We are not in in. Um, Lewiston, we have not been part of a union, but that's one of the questions is the Portland paper is unionized and now we're all working for the same people. So I'm, I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what that means yet. Well, I, you um, know, I, and here, well, here's, I'm just going to throw this out there to any, any of your executives who might be making decisions or listening. I would be very interested to hear, like, I hope somebody actually reports on how that gets worked out. <laughs> Cause I think it's interesting, you know, if, if this nonprofit organization takes over and it impacts the way the news is delivered or the way that the reporters are. I, I think it's very interesting. I hope that they continue to talk about what's happening behind the scenes because. They, they, they will definitely be doing more of that. I mean, we, we are hearing about, you know, they're planning to, to communicate a lot more. I think the problem is they, it's all happened so fast over the summer that they didn't really know what they were going to do. And so it's taken some time to sort of figure that out. But they, they, they have, raised millions of dollars beyond the purchase price to help us to, to, you know, stabilize some ideas and move forward. And they think this whole operation can be profitable and, and, and we can be a bigger, better news organization than we've been. So, so well, it's, hopeful. yeah, it's a nonprofit though. And does it, is it going to be susceptible to attacks uh, by like right wingers who are going to say, Oh, is this a George Soros funded organization? Like, is it, transparent who where the money comes from that publishes the news or is it a little bit well the money that published so the, the purchase money was raised from from um, big donors we you know they've given out a list of who they are but we don't really know who paid what or how much um you know it's 
Uh, so, yeah, we're going to get criticism. I mean, that's just part of it because some of those people gave money. And, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard if you're if you're already suspicious of the press not to think, oh, my, you know, there was George Soros money involved in this. So it must mean that he has some say in the news. And, and I get why anyone would think that, but I can assure, you know, anyone who's listening, it hasn't had any impact yet. And I, I don't know how it could. You, uh, you brought up George if, Soros. If any, yeah, it do th- is, if is, anyone is, ever tells me what to do, I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, and I believe you. Uh, is George Soros, in fact, one of the donors uh, to the trust, or is that just well, an example? Yeah. And I think that his open, is it Open Society Foundation, something like that, um, was one of, the, one of the groups that they listed as having given money. But I don't, you know, I don't know how much, I don't have like current role. I, I'm sure some of the people would raise the eyebrows. Um, because everybody raised. I mean, they're yeah, just right. naturally very suspicious now. But, um, but so far, everything's been going pretty well. And, and the, the papers, the, I, the goal isn't, I mean, the, we're supposed to be continuing to operate as a profitable enterprise. And the, so they don't have to raise money to keep us going. That isn't really, you know, we just have to, we just have to be able to not lose money. And I, that, that kind of changes everything. Since you don't have nobody's taking profits out of it, and everything gets put back into the operation. So I, I think that they get people are going to see more news and more uh, community involvement and and happier people working for the papers. But we'll, but we'll see. Well, that's good. That's good. And and do you think that um, you have a a worthy opponent in terms of or or co- competition in the news um, in Maine to to keep to keep things sharp, I think the worry is that there's such a concentration of ownership that, that, you know, maybe if there is a perspective that we're just getting one-sided, but are there other, do you think it's, there's competition in the news market space in Maine enough well, to, to, so that it's rigorous? I, I guess I'd, in theory, I would like to see more competition than, than probably is going to exist, but, but there's people, Journalists are competitive anyway, and there are still other, you know, the Bangor paper is still there. It's a good newspaper. They, they hustle and get stories. Um, there's two other nonprofits, the Maine Monitor and the, and the Maine Morning Star that just started. They're, they're getting stories. Um, Maine Public has always been getting stories. And so and there's still television. And so, yeah, we have, there's still plenty of competition. What about the main wire? Do you, are they giving you a run for your money when it oh, comes the main to? Wire. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but the main wire is really interesting. I, I, a lot of journalists really hate it, but I think they actually are pretty good. They have a good news sense there. If they just, they're just, you know, blatantly slanting the news in a conservative way. But that doesn't change the fact that it's, they, they do get some interesting stories. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm on the mailing list, and and they Steve Robinson, the you know executive editor, mm-hmm. uh, he has a penchant for just bombastic headlines that just suck people in, and then he really, I think, is a pretty good writer. Um, can be dangerously mm-hmm. misleading. <laughs> You know, and, and no, you... they're not they're not they're not the journalistic ideal, but yeah, but, uh, but they they're hustling and they and they do get some stories. Well, uh, Steve, so what is there anything on the horizon in terms of the local political scene? Are we just sort of waiting to um, get through this November and then and then and the presidential caucuses and that sort of thing? Is there? I don't know. Is there any well, events? This... 
Not, there's not really anything. I mean, the local elections matter. I mean, you know, right here in Auburn, the, 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 one of the two guys running for mayor certainly got his eye on the Blaine House for 2026. So, Who are you talking about? You know, it's Jason Levesque. He's been the mayor here for, I don't know, six years. Um, but he's, you know, he's... Uh, He's clearly got his eye on the White House. And, there, and so there's other, you know, municipal races do matter. Uh, those, a lot of those people end up being, being uh, you know, seeking higher office later. Well, there's so, few, yeah, there's so few offices to hold in Maine that are statewide because the constitutional officers get, you know, elected by the House of Representatives. So, yeah, if you want to, like, be in a statewide office, you have, there's only about five of them. So Jason Levesque, he's the mayor yeah. of Auburn. He's a Democrat. Who is he running against? No, he's no, he's actually a Republican. He's a Republican. Um, yeah, uh, he's running against a guy named Jeff Harmon, who's I think he's probably a Democrat, but of course they're nonpartisan. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. That's why I guess I assumed Jason Levesque was a Democrat, but he's a Republican. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, we'll have to yeah. keep our eye on it. Uh, and... well, that's why he's got a chance, right? He's the mayor of a you know reasonable sized town in May. Yeah. Really. Uh, well, Steve Collins, thanks so much for joining the show. I hope to uh, have you back. Thank you very much. It's been good to talk to you, Cynthia. Great. Have a nice weekend.